This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, I want to talk about borderline personality disorder and narcissism. And in particular, I want to talk about why do people with borderline feel like they're a narcissist? So I had something that happened to me today. Um, I was dealing with my mom. And if you have listened to previous episodes, you will know that my mother has uh, been diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. And she has untreated, undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. And I had something that happened today that really felt very narcissistic. And after I kind of ended the conversation with her, I went on a bit of a research rampage to really understand what's going on. Um, I'm also going to talk through a few of the ways that I have spent the last couple of hours to really kind of move from that heightened nervous system state, really kind of being being in the yellow and moving back down to the green. Um, but so let me, let me share a little bit about what's kind of been going on. So last week it was my birthday. Several of my friends were busy uh, doing some stuff. And so I decided to take myself over to the east side of Washington state to Eastern Washington and celebrate my birthday. A couple weeks before that, it was really the end of September. I also flew myself to Chicago. Um, I flew first class and I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria, which was really fun uh, for a night in a lovely suite. It also had this really fabulous fireplace, which was really great to um, turn on first thing in the morning. So, you know, that's a future goal that I have uh, for my own home. And I went and saw Dr. Andrew Huberman, listened to his lecture at the Chicago Theater. It was really great. I had a couple of really good takeaways that I spoke about in uh, one of the podcast episodes. Can't really remember which one um, off the top of my head, but I had a really lovely experience. But I still wanted to do something, you know, the actual day of my birthday. So a couple days before and a couple days after, I went over to the east side. I stayed in this adorable little contemporary style cabin and um, went to Ellensburg one day and I went to Leavenworth another day. And Leavenworth, Washington is kind of a little German style town. And I got to walk around. It was all decorated for fall. It was super cute. Um, you know, and I just did a few little things for me. I had stopped in Seattle on the way over, went to the spa, um, you know, that Saturday. Um, and then, you know, my birthday was on Monday. So my father had reached out a week before that. And he said, you know, what are we going to do for your birthday? Because usually now that I'm an adult, my family does this thing where they, we just go out to dinner, which is totally fine. Um, and I said, well, you know, I'm going to be gone for my birthday, um, but I'll get back to you about, you know, when we can meet up, do something. So finally, we decided on today, uh, another Monday. I have today off. And 
you know, I let my dad know where I wanted to eat. And it was uh, in a town about 30 minutes away or so. Um, because in my town, or we kind of have these two little towns next to each other. I have tried to go there multiple to, or different restaurants multiple years in a row for my birthday. And every single time my mother complains, either she doesn't like the food, she doesn't like the service. Um, she, you know, uh, last year it was kind of busy at this McMenamin's that I wanted to go to. Um, I have to be really careful about where I eat because of my PCOS. I choose places where I can get meat and vegetables. Um, you know, that are cooked really well and not like overly cooked. I don't mean that, but just, you know, they're made um, in a very healthy way. So I can't always eat just anywhere. And it's also my birthday. So if it's my mom's birthday or my sister's birthday, I'll go wherever they want. I will just usually eat beforehand and then maybe I'll get something small um, or kind of take a look at the, the menu beforehand. But I don't let it impact what either my mom or my dad or my sister or my brother-in-law, whatever, whatever they want to do is wonderful. I'm not going to let my dietary needs get in the way of that. You know, it's their birthday. It's their anniversary, whatever we're doing. So anyway, I had decided that, because I always have to think, okay, I don't want my mother to blow up. I don't want her to be angry. I don't want some sort of issues to come up. I had a birthday a few years ago, I'd say five or six years ago, where um, she actually tried to hit me on my own driveway after a birthday dinner. So when I say I try to smooth things over a little bit, that is what I mean. I mean that I try to create an atmosphere where everybody can be happy. My mother is often not very happy. And what I've noticed is that, you know, it, it often feels like because the the emphasis, the spotlight is not on her. So I had chosen this restaurant. And um, by the way, my mother knew about this for a week. She texted me this morning. She said, can we change it to 5.30 instead of 6? And I said, sure, not a problem. Um, so, you know, I was uh, going to, you know, call the restaurant, whatever. Then I get this text message. Quote, they tend to be a little slow with the meal preparation there. She means at that other restaurant. But the food is really good. The last time I ordered from there was for lunch entrees aboard the sailboat when we released some of, and I'll not share my uncle, my deceased uncle's name, um, but basically it was her brother's ashes. And then she did crying face emoji in Bud Bay in 2020. It was a big order because there were seven of us. And I said, you know what? I'll find a different restaurant so that, you know, you're not triggered. And then I said a little later, I'm making a reservation at this other place instead. Still at 530. Then she sends me a text message that says, what does triggered mean? I didn't intend to cause you any distress. I just thought going a little earlier, if possible, would help the five family members who have work 
or school on Tuesday. I didn't want you to change all of your plans. And I said, it wasn't a problem. I just didn't want you to feel emotionally triggered because you were there the, uh, because of why you were there the last time, which was because you were releasing your brother's ashes. My mother, I'll take a little pause in the text messages. My mother really struggles with the death of her brother. Um, in a lot of ways, my mother raised her brother. Um, she was, my mother was 10 years older and I think as adults, they weren't necessarily very close. Um, but my mother was there, you know, kind of, uh, nursing him as he passed. Um, he was a police officer and he had been exposed. He thinks he, he got, you know, whatever cancer he had because of a lot of the meth labs and, you know, that kind of stuff, just all the stuff that he was inhaling, whatever. And so he passed away, by the way, his birthday is early October. So just a few days before mine. And so I didn't, I didn't want her to be triggered. Um, you know, I, I didn't want it to bring up old memories. And so continuing in the text messages, she said, I looked up, oh, she said, I looked on Google for the definition of triggered. Don't label me for asking a simple question. Would you prefer that I don't attend? Meaning that she doesn't attend dinner tonight. And I said, I wasn't labeling you. I was actually trying to do something kind. I didn't want you to feel emotionally uncomfortable or overwhelmed because of an experience you had there, you know, when it was dealing with your brother's death. I had to change the time of the reservation, so I just thought I would change the place too. Whether you come or not is your decision. And she said, I already see a mental health professional and take, you know, whatever medication for, quote, my emotions. And at that point, I said, okay, birthday dinner is canceled. What I find really interesting is that when I called in between all these text messages to reserve, you know, reserve a table for, uh, you know, at a different restaurant tonight, the lady asked me, she said, is this a celebration of some kind? And I said, oh, <laughs> um, are you guys going to like come out and sing happy birthday if I say yes? Because I'm not into that. And she's like, no, no, we weren't going to do that. I was just going to offer you a free dessert. And I said, you know what? I don't even eat dessert. Let's just say it's not a celebration because, you know, I don't want to deal with that. But the other thing is that anytime the spotlight is particularly on me, I have noticed. My mother goes overboard. She, everything kind of ratchets up. Um, all of the emotions are heightened. She's usually a lot louder at whatever restaurant we're at. So part of my, I guess, need sometimes to choose a location that she's going to be fairly comfortable at is so that I don't have to really deal with any of that. So that she doesn't make a spectacle in the restaurant. So that there isn't some sort of volatility later on. And what I noticed is that often with people who are narcissistic, birthdays and holidays are awful. 
because the focus isn't completely on them, unless, of course, it's their birthday. And that's actually very true, or at least has been true for me, um, with having a mother with borderline. I did an episode on borderline versus narcissism, um, you know, which could accompany this, but this is a bit more of a personal, you know, kind of story and whatnot. Um, but I find that both people with borderline and people who are narcissists, they have very volatile interpersonal relationships. So birthdays and holidays, this is the time of year, at least in my household, where it's like riding the roller coaster as it takes a dip. My mother becomes fairly unbearable. Um, she will cancel holidays. She'll cancel Thanksgiving. She'll cancel Christmas. Um, and she will throw a massive fit, particularly on my birthday. There's always been tension between the two of us. Uh, my mother in the past, this was before I left for Peace Corps in 2010. Um, my mother insinuated that my father and I had an inappropriate relationship. By the way, my father is very conservative, not just in his political beliefs, but also in his, you know, just how he uh, moves around the house. He was always very cognizant of my space, my sister's space, particularly as we got older. Uh, you know, has a really hard time if I wear a two-piece swimsuit uh, in the pool at their house. And I have never seen my father naked. So insinuating that there is a inappropriate, and by that I very much believe that she meant sexual relationship, um, it's really difficult because I love my father. Um, but we don't, you know, I think particularly after that point, um, there was even more tension. I knew, I knew something was really off with my mom and that has really created even more volatility in my relationship with her, particularly as I learned more and more about borderline, the more I really worked on myself you know, I had anxious attachment. I really had to to work through a lot of that. Doesn't mean I'm not anxious from time to time or I'm not avoidant from time to time, but I've really tried to heal the anxious attachment wounds. And I feel like a lot of times my mother is kind of like dealing with a four-year-old. She's like dealing with a little girl, a child. So anytime I tell her no, or I step away from something that I don't like, um, this will often cause a lot of volatility. Um, and it will cause a lot of stress on our relationship. But at the same time, it's one of the only things that I have really learned to do in order to keep myself safe and as, as an adult. Um, even after this exchange, you know, via the text message today, I just said, okay, uh, you know, birthday dinner is canceled because I'm not going to sit through that. I'm not going to, you know, be ignored. Sometimes I'm ignored by her. Other times I get the half hug or the, well, you just don't think I'm a good parent or those kinds of things. And 
And I haven't had the conversation with my father yet. He's called me multiple times uh, because again, he gets in that anxious space and he, you know, is trying to fix everything. So for me today, um, a couple of the things that I have done to step back, to regulate my nervous system. Um, one of those things was going back to Instagram. Uh, I had saved a post by self healers circle and, um, it was a post on reparenting yourself. And the post says, I reparent myself by keeping one small promise to myself daily, honoring my own limits by saying no, taking time for myself, finding moments of play and peace, speaking my truth, even if it's misunderstood. And then also, Understanding my ego creates stories within my mind that are not truths. So one of the first things that I did was I really tried to separate. I really tried to not create a new story, a harmful story, where I'm just not good enough. My mother's just always really a problem or difficult. I was sad for a few minutes um, because not only does this hurt, but it just, it makes me really sad that she, that she has to really go through life this way. And I realized that her borderline for the most part, you know, happened because of her own childhood. And I understand that it's a personality disorder and therefore not her fault. Yet at the same time, it's my responsibility to still not allow that treatment, to still step away from that. So, you know, one of the things that I did as well was I still spoke my truth to her. She will change it, turn it, you know, make it misunderstood. Okay, that's fine. I also went for a walk. I'd already worked out today, but I went for a walk. Um, here after this podcast episode, I am going to take a hot bath, uh, even though I've showered for the day. Um, you know, again, I have today off. Uh, I cleaned my house earlier, so we're good to go there. Um, but I did some ironing, um, just some really quiet kind of peaceful things. I did a me another meditation. I listened to a little bit of music and then I actually swapped it out to, um, a, yeah, just kind of a feel-good romance book, an audible one while I was ironing. And then I also called a friend and she said, hey, can I call you back in 30 minutes? And I said, absolutely, not a problem. And so I spoke with her a little bit. She understands and she knows my mother to some extent. And she, you know, also has some pretty similar kinds of things that, you know, in the way that her father acts as well. And so that was really helpful. Um, and again, I'm still going to say no. I'm not going to let my father kind of be in that space of, no, 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 let's just start over. Let's, you know, replan this thing. Let's still go tonight. No, 
No, that's not what we're going to do. At least that's not what I'm going to do. I don't actually have to sit through something that I don't want to. I can do it respectfully by saying, okay, uh, no, thank you. Um, dinner plans tonight are canceled. Birthday dinner is, is canceled. I don't, I don't need to sit through something. Um, you know, last year, my sister actually said, hey, I realize that I am doing this last minute. She goes, but I cannot be around mom right now. I'm so sorry. I will take you out for a birthday dinner or spend time together or whatever on our own, but I cannot sit at the table with her. And I said, I totally get it. And then of course we ended up not doing dinner because she didn't like the venue. It was too crowded and busy. And, you know, um, then when she suggested another place, I said, well, mom, you know, I can eat there. Like, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have foods that, that are good for my body, um, that make me feel good. They only add inflammation. Uh, you know, I don't, I just don't want to deal with any of that. And then she said, everything is always about you. Well, um, no, it's not, but this is also my birthday and you decided to come out and spend time with me. I'm saying I cannot eat at that place. So the other thing that I did as well was I kind of went down this little research rabbit hole around, you know, because the, I guess the first kind of question that popped up in my brain was, why does it feel like she's also a narcissist? Why does it feel this way? So for the internet and some of the research that I have done, I have come across a couple of reasons that I would like to share with you. Um, again, those ways that I kind of handled my day and that I will continue to kind of handle my day, that does not mean that that's what you have to do. I'm just saying those are things that have worked well for me when it comes to really kind of dealing with somebody with borderline. Um, I don't say yes to things anymore. If if we're already both in a heightened nervous system state, we do not need to be spending time around each other. It's only going to cause chaos. Maybe a little less so because it'll be in public and she'll be less inclined to cause a scene. But as soon as we're not in public, there will be a massive scene. And I'm just not here for that. I'm just not dealing with that. Um, in the past, I've tried other things like having boundaries, whatnot. I see this certainly as a boundary, um, but where I've kind of been like, okay, I will just have an escape plan. You know, I'm, I'm going to be driving myself. My father was like, oh, you know, do you want to ride together? No, no, I don't I need my own vehicle so that I can leave if I need to. Um, but for me, you know, these things might not work for you. Or you might be at a different place in dealing with your borderline mom or dad. At the same time, feel like you have some autonomy over your own situation. Feel like you have some sovereignty over yourself and what you decide to do. Because part of this birthday dinner, I wasn't really all that excited about. It kind of feels a little bit like some family obligation. And usually, uh, you know, in healthy families, well, yeah, you know, 
we're expected to get together at different holidays or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily feel like an obligation. It feels good. You want to see people. You want to enjoy warm, loving connection with those people that you know you are biologically related to, right? Um, or other friends or those things. But in this case, you know, give yourself the permission to say no to things, to step away, uh, because. What I know as well is that when she's in this heightened nervous system space, and I am as well, even if I work on it today, it's going to take me a day or two to really step out of this steer clear. You know what I mean? Like stay in the green. Um, so by going to the dinner, I know that it will only heighten my nervous system space. Um, but also I will need to put up quite a few boundaries. And the problem with that is that my mother hates boundaries. She becomes very angry and incensed when there are boundaries. So why would I deal with that? Why would I put myself in that situation? So again, you choose what's best for you, what works well for you in your family with your parent or you know, whomever with borderline, could be a sister, brother, could be a grandma, grandpa, whatever. But allow yourself to say no. Allow, you know, take that step for yourself. And then create some really good rituals around kind of getting yourself back to the green. So when it comes to borderline feeling like narcissism, I think one of the most important things to realize is that the narcissist and borderline are both fundamentally missing a core sense of themselves. Fundamentally. So underlying their relational patterns and dynamics and whatnot is both of their early attachment wounds. So both the borderline and both the narcissist have a lot of attachment wounds that happened in childhood. The narcissist has this kind of need for withdrawal. And the borderline has all of this uh, fear of abandonment and emotional reactivity. Uh, for the borderline, it could be blowing up in anger and, and rage, or it could be breaking down in sobs. But it's all this emotional reactivity. And, and again, the, the narcissist, they have this need to withdraw, right? And it intensifies, it worsens, it constantly gets worse because of this very deep lack of sense of self. And it stems from a lot of childhood wounds, trauma, that kind of thing. And so the borderline and the narcissist have very inaccurate views of themselves, as well as the world around them and the people around them. Now, it's important to realize that with both the narcissist and the borderline, the spectrum to which these distortions will show up in their life can vary. And it, I have noticed with my mom that it actually changes as she ages. Uh, in my opinion, she's gotten quite a bit worse. It is not getting better. 
So when it comes to the sense of self, people with narcissism, they often see themselves as superior to others. Actually, not even often. They see themselves as superior to others. So they have an inflated sense of self. They needed to create that often due to their childhood experiences. So they will inflate their abilities, um, their skills, their talent, their achievements, their accomplishments. What's interesting, though, for the person with borderline, they have an unstable sense of self, an unstable sense of self-worth, self-image. And so they see themselves as worthless or bad. What is interesting as well is this really causes them to struggle with self-identity, self-worth. Um, both the borderline and the narcissist are very reliant on the people around them for getting their emotional needs met. So like you and I, we are the kind of people who realized that yes, even though there were some things off in our childhood or some things that we really needed to to work on, right? Uh, for me, it really showed up in my romantic relationships. I was like, oh shoot, wow. Um, mm, there's some things here that I just don't really like. And I realized that that all stemmed from childhood. Again, it makes sense that I would struggle with feeling a healthy attachment just due to kind of the volatility of my mother and and whatnot. But, you know, we are the kind of people who will say, okay, I need to work on me. I need to change because I am reliant on these other people, right? Uh, the wounded feminine. I talk a lot about the wounded and the distorted feminine um, on Instagram and whatnot. And the wounded feminine she will do a lot of people pleasing in order to attain love and connection and closeness and affection, right? Um, while the distorted feminine, she will often um, try to push people away. She'll try to be the woman who's like, I don't need anybody. Um, Hyper independent, um, really focused on creating as much safety and security as she can around herself, needing to control all aspects of her life. And when, you know, you and I kind of look at this and we say, oh, okay, I see some patterns here. The wounded feminine is usually more of the anxiously attached or the, or has disorganized attachment. The um, distorted feminine can often have more of the avoidant attachment or the uh, dis- uh, disorganized attachment. And so when we go deeper with ourselves, we say, okay, I need to change the way I look at myself. I need to work on my sense of self-worth and, and self-value. And I need to stop getting all of my emotional needs met from other people. I need to learn how to do some of that for myself. At the same time, and I think that that's why for a long time in my life, it was a very difficult, I always thought, well, maybe it's me. 
am I the one with the issues? I mean, you know, we all have issues, things to work on, but like, am I the one with a personality disorder? You feel very confused. Um, you feel very disconnected from yourself. And then I realized, well, no, I don't have the same volatility of emotions. And I also, you know, don't have this inflated sense of self. So what I realized was, okay, yeah, some of these things uh, are on the surface of what the the borderline or the narcissist will need to work on, but mine don't go that deep. So like you and I, we will work on that. We will look at our wounds, our childhood trauma, our past relationship trauma and say, okay, I need to create some of that for myself. That Again, that's self-sovereignty. But what I find really interesting is that both the borderline and the narcissist really struggle with that self-identity and self-worth, but it's it's at a much deeper level. So their reliance on other people is so that they get all of their emotional needs met. We can clearly see this with the narcissist, right? They uh, will often marry. They will often, you know, create these kinds of, you know, quote, perfect lives on the outside, yet they are terrorizing the people inside their their homes. Um, and the same thing is true with the the borderline. I mean, my father will not divorce my mother. Um, I see her kind of pulling him down and down kind of more and more. Um, but it's become a very codependent relationship where my father is always the one who is filling my mother and my mother is always the one who is empty, always needing more and more and more resources. And not just money or stuff, but like the emotional side of things. And she needs, you know, that she needs my father around her in order to have her emotional needs met. Um, what I find interesting as well is that it's very common for people with um, borderline to seek out relationships and become very quickly attached. Uh, and while on the other hand, uh, the narcissist will really try to manipulate others, but it's not to, it's not to try to guide or direct people. It's to fulfill their own wants and needs, uh, to remain in control, to kind of have everything orbiting around them. Now, one of the things that has shown up um, for me, you know, with this kind of idea of why does borderline feel like narcissism? And I'm, I'm not sure that my mother like truly lacks empathy, but in, you know, when she has these volatile interpersonal relationship um, experiences, right? Uh, things happen like between her and I or whatever, she becomes. It's very difficult to understand her because she lacks a lot of empathy. She really struggles with connecting to anything other than her emotions. And I, I find this to be a very big struggle because I, I think both the narcissist and the borderline, they really want intimate relationships, but they have all of these mood shifts 
They're very dramatic. Um, they have uh, these like very intense emotions that are very draining for the people around them. That's how I felt after, uh, you know, kind of corresponding with my mother this morning. She feels very draining. And I feel very drained afterwards. And so again, that's where I have to really, fortunately, I have the time today uh, where I can spend a little time with myself and kind of fill myself back up. Um, but what I found is that because of all of this volatility, because of all of these mood shifts, the uh, you know the the fear of abandonment, the um the these difficulties with you know fears of intimacy, whatnot, it can really feel very narcissistic because again, she needs to kind of be the center of attention. Even tonight, you know, when we were supposed to get together for my birthday dinner, you know, she didn't call me or text or whatever a week before and said, hey, you know, can we change the time? Which is fine. I mean, I didn't have a problem changing the time today. Okay, cool. You want to do it 30 minutes earlier? Whatever. Not a problem. I'll just let them know. But, you know, then kind of putting all of this stuff on there, if she had a problem with the location, and the fact that she had the last time that she was there, or one of the last times she was there, she, you know, had just, um, you know, put her some of her brother's ashes over the side of the boat. He was a sailor, and so that's one of the reasons why um, it, there was a boat involved. Um, she could have let me know that, but she always waits to the very last minute. It's almost like she needs, the closer we get to an event, she needs all of that attention back on her. It's like she almost like drains herself of, I, I don't know, um, control, but, but she just needs to receive all of this stuff from other people. Everything becomes an issue right before whatever the event is, and particularly when the event doesn't showcase any of her skills. Sometimes holidays can be a little bit easier because she is, you know, the hostess, she is the entertainer, you know, all of that kind of thing. But even sometimes then not. It depends on, you know, kind of where she is again on the roller coaster, if there's a dip or not. But she really, um, she really needs that attention. She it's almost like she drains herself so that she can be rescued and saved and filled back up with all of the kind of emotional connection or closeness. A couple other things. Um, you know, in terms of why the borderline will often feel very narcissistic, is that people, you know, who um are narcissistic or borderline, they have a very strong desire for that positive attention, like I was just talking about. And they really need a lot of validation from other people. Yes, I am a good mother. Yes, I am this kind of person, right? Uh, so they react very poorly when they don't receive what they what they want. Or sometimes, I think it's more about what they think that they need. Sometimes maybe it's actually what they need. They need to be filled up because again, they they didn't they didn't get all of the things that they needed. 
they're fundamentally missing a core sense of themselves. They didn't get any of that in childhood. So they've created these lives, they've created these relationships, even as volatile as they are. Uh, They also will use a lot of shame in terms of, well, this is a family obligation. We always do this, right? So if someone's saying those kinds of things to you, pay close attention to that because here's the thing. I don't care if we normally go out every, uh, you go out to dinner every time it's my birthday or someone else's birthday. If it is healthier for me to not spend time around you, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm either going to do something else for that person or like I did last week and a couple weeks ago, I did my own birthday. I treated myself. So, you know, right now it feels very much to me like she needs all of this validation. Uh, things have been rocky for years between the two of us. So, uh, you know, she wants to bring up all of these kinds of old things from the past because she's not feeling good about herself. Uh, and then here's another thing as well. The borderline can feel a lot like narcissism because both narcissists and people with borderline have a very extreme sensitivity to perceived criticism or negative feedback. I'm not talking actual criticism or feedback. Again, that was with my comment on using the word triggered. Oh, yeah, no, no, I just don't want you to be triggered. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, why don't I just, I'm just going to get us a a different, um, a, a different restaurant because it'd be very triggering to me if that was one of the places that I went when I was spreading my brother's ashes after he had passed. Uh, or, you know, the water, and then we had ordered from that restaurant. So I was just trying to, frankly, uh, navigate around that. She perceived it as criticism, even when it was not. And that, you know, that that causes a lot of projection. So I also did some research on narcissistic projection, um, partly because it feels very narcissistic to me at this moment, you know, with my mom, uh, even though, you know, she has the borderline. And so these feelings of narcissism, they come from a different root cause and core than with someone who's diagnosed with, you know, narcissistic personality disorder. Um, but it still feels very similar. So narcissistic projection is a defense mechanism that, again, someone with uh, NPD will really use so that they can blame their actions on somebody else. Now, why does this happen? They're really projecting their low self-esteem onto somebody else. And what I think is really interesting as well is that they'll also project their own negative behaviors, emotions, or their negative traits, you know, just kind of how they operate in the world on other people. But they're also not very aware of it, neither narcissists nor people with borderline. So they they struggle to hide shortcomings imperfection, anything that's perceived. It might not even be real, um, you know, but, but these are perceived things. 
So I, I think it is a very common occurrence. And again, a lot of people, and sometimes I, have had to say, oh, whoa, hold on a minute here. I was projecting on that person. So projection itself really isn't the problem. I, I mean, we have to take responsibility for it. But one of the things that I've noticed with my mother is that she doesn't realize the projection is happening. She doesn't realize that she is um, putting her imperfections on somebody else. She doesn't want to be seen as someone who is triggered sometimes. So then she you know, causes this, this kind of chaos, you know, and well, do you even want me there? Do you even, you know, should I even show up to this kind of thing? Don't label me as this. Well, I just, it was just a general kind of label, like not, not even, I, I just noticed that this would probably trigger you because it would probably trigger me. Let me just get a different restaurant. No big deal. But again, that projection, I can't be seen as something that is not what I want to be seen as. And I find uh, that really interesting as well. Now, one of the other things that I have noticed is that both the borderline and the narcissist, which is one of the reasons why the borderline feels very narcissistic from time to time, is they see the world very black and white very, very, very black and white. Um, again, I am right. You are wrong. I was never asking you to change the, you know, the, the restaurant location. I'm just letting you know about all of these, uh, this, this drastic mood swing that's about to happen, this emotional dysregulation from being in this place and being triggered. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other things too that I picked up on, which is why I changed the or tried to change the re restaurant, was it's an imagined abandonment. Her brother died. Uh, her brother didn't, you know, they weren't close for a majority of their adult lives. Like she feels very abandoned. Well, all those feelings always come up every time that we're together. And, and same thing, even I think she was already feeling that just due to the fact that she and I do not have a close relationship and we never will because I put boundaries around her because I say, no, 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 I won't be treated that way. I won't be spoken to that way. You just took this one little thing that I said and blew it out of proportion. Um, but instead, she's going to use that projection to try to be like, don't you try to label me. So again, things to really, uh, you know, really pay attention to when it comes to uh, why the, the borderline will often feel like the narcissist. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of these beliefs that the world revolves around them. They have this constant need for attention and validation. Both of those those things are also true with the narcissist. Um, there's this disconnection from reality. Again, all of these these perceived criticisms and negative feedback. They're not able to manage and have stable interpersonal relationships. Um, they disregard 
how their actions and their words affect or hurt other people. Um, there's a lot of emotional immaturity. That's also something that the borderline and the narcissist share. A lot of impaired reasoning once they are triggered. So I kind of feel like today she was already triggered uh, knowing that we were going to this restaurant. Again, I did not mind changing the time, and then I just decided to change the restaurant. Why even make that a thing? I also don't want to cause her any more emotional distress or harm or overwhelm. Why would I want to do that? Okay, let me just change the restaurant. It's not a problem. Um, again, it's this, with that, with that kind of seeing the world black and white, it's also this all or nothing mentality. And there will be times when they will very much idealize uh, their kind of life. Then they will also uh, devaluate both the narcissist and the borderline uh, do this. And again, I think that's why, you know, borderline feels like narcissism sometimes. Um, I think that there's a lot of shame hidden under a lot of layers of self-deceit. I think that there's a lot of disproportionate, uncontrollable, unreasonable rage. Um, and it looks very hostile and very passive-aggressive. And so again, I think that those are some reasons why the, the borderline really feels like a narcissist from time to time. Um, or a lot of the time. So thank you for letting me share my story uh, with you today. It, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things I, I'm kind of, I deal with it in several parts. One of it is, you know, kind of dealing with uh, the, the portion when it comes to, no, I, I won't be spoken to this way. I won't be treated this way. Why would we spend time together if, you know, we're both in this heightened nervous system state? Uh, why, well, while you are already triggered. And then I think on the other hand as well, it's very much now doing the things that are really good for me. So like I said, um, I once we once I sign off here, I am going to take a nice hot bath and a cold shower. Um, that usually kind of helps me, I don't know, it helps me kind of regulate my mood a little bit. I'm going to play some, I'll probably um, get on priestess presence um, and in their members club and uh, play a few really positive, uplifting meditations, uh, at least one, actually probably just one. They're pretty long, uh, which is great, but, um, I have time for more than one. Um, I'm also going to go out on another walk. Nature seems to really help me, you know, breathe a little deeper, breathe healthy, clean air. Um, and then again, regulate my nervous system. Um, and then I am going to do a little bit more work because uh, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, I um, am just about finished with the Feminine Reclaiming course. Uh, so I just have a couple more videos that I'm going to do today, which is really fun and wonderful. So that will be coming out in November. Um, many of you have gone on to Instagram. I am at Create Love Freedom. And you have clicked on the link in my bio and taken the feminine reclaiming quiz, which is free. 
and kind of determine whether you are the wounded, the distorted, the awakened, or the divine feminine. And then many of you have clicked on the little button that I have uh, that says, hey, uh, would you like to know more um, or would you like to be one of the first people to know that the course has come out? And I'm also offering it at a 50% discount to the first 10 women who sign up. Um, so that will be very soon. So I'm going to focus a little bit on something totally different and um, bring you guys some really uh, wonderful content to hopefully help you grow as a person and work through some of the things that you're working through while I also do it for myself. So isn't that wonderful? I can give and receive at the same time. Um, and uh, also, if you are looking for a place to do some of your self-healing work, uh, please join us over in our Create Love Freedom Members Club. Um, again, you can click on the link in my bio uh, on Instagram, or you can also look at the show notes. The quiz is also in the show notes. So if you'd like to take the Feminine Reclaiming quiz, it is there. But our members club is a community of women uh, where we believe that we are our own best self-healers. So it's really the tool that I wish I had had uh, seven, eight years ago where, you know, when I, when I was really kind of starting down that self-healing journey. Um, and so each month I bring forth a new self-healing topic, which I call a masterclass. And I have multiple videos and a workbook. Um, we also have a monthly call and we also, um, we're able to communicate with all of the women in, in the members club and, uh, reach out to me, ask me questions as well. So, um, if you'd like to join us over there, um, I do have a free portion, which is just the create love freedom community. Um, I don't, you know, you won't have access to the, um, to the master classes each month. Um, there is a live call each month, uh, for women who are there. Um, but if you do want access to all of these self-healing topics in the workbooks, um, you can join the members club and that is $29 a month. So again, I hope that this episode was helpful for you until next time.